This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I uh, have heard the phrase before, you know, the loudest person in the room is often what they say, the most powerful person in the room, you know, that little, well, all right. She just claimed it, all right? Um, Don't even need a mic, you know? Uh, So one might assume that the person with the microphone in the room has the most power or control of the room. However, they would be wrong. Um, Because you see, right back there in that box sits a man that maybe you've never met before. His name is Devin Wiles. And Devin happens to be the most powerful man in the room. (laughs) Because Devin has a little square button that has a four-letter word on it called mute. And at the press of one button, he can... We didn't plan that. I knew it was coming because he did it to me first service, unplanned. So... um, I'll talk to Pastor Allen. He may be looking for a job tomorrow. Huh? We'll find out. Just messing. Those guys do so much behind the scenes. Will you give it up for all our tech guys? <laughs> Literally, hundreds of people in this room today and thousands of people online here because of what happens from that one small little button. You know, often it's the small things in life that make a big difference. Pastors um, don't really tell you that they have fears. Uh, I'm not really afraid of being up here today, but I can tell you what I am afraid of. Even even though the Bible says don't be afraid, right? Uh, The Lord is always with you. Uh, Until the sound guy forgets to hit the mute button during praise and worship time. Um, A pastor's greatest fear, uh, he's a pastor, not a singer, Okay, so a pastor's greatest fear is that while he's given it his all on the front row, that somehow the sound guy just turns it on, kind of like what happened to me a few months ago. Um, we were having a youth conference here, and we had planned and worked, and already we had all the youth in here, and we had planned this special song with Megan Adams, Justin, and Mary Beth's daughter, and she was leading a solo. And uh, she was leading this solo, but we're youth, you know? We can't do anything normal, okay? So we put her in the back room and put a camera on her and made the camera guy walk backwards through the dark, and she came out singing, you know? But they have these little things called in-ear monitors. Have you ever seen them flip that little ear thing like they're cool, you know? Like, right? That's called an in-ear monitor. And that monitor helps them hear what's going on um, because they can't hear everything on the stage the same way that you can hear it out there. And I'm standing on the front row singing my heart out, having no idea that backstage while she's singing her solo, I am singing into her ears as loud as I possibly can. (laughs) Now she is a sweet, pretty little girl. She is just singing and you would never know the difference. And yet I'm singing in her ears. To top it off, my toddler walks in. And I pick up my toddler and I'm talking, I love you little baby, oh my goodness, you're the best all into her ears. One small button makes a very big difference. A couple weeks ago, uh, it's been raining like crazy, y'all. I was out trimming my shrubs, and I'm trimming my shrubs, and unbeknownst to me, a bee flew in my shirt. I'm trimming my shrubs, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, I'm running to the house screaming at the top of my lungs because a bee stung me. Next thing I know, I'm sipping Benadryl through a straw and whining like a baby for three days as my allergic reaction takes off in my arm. How many of you know something really small can make a very big difference? That's why our words matter. James chapter three says this. It says, look at the ships. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided 
actually by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of very great things. How many of you know that your words matter? The writer goes on to say that um, who can tame the tongue? In other words, how easy is it to complain? How easy is it to speak negatively? Our tongues actually have a propensity to negativity. And so what we find is the slip of the tongue happens very easily. Discouraging words can come out very easily. Things we wish we wouldn't have said at that moment in time happen very easily. Why? Because the tongue, the words that we speak, they matter. And the tongue has great power as it speaks. Uh, You remember words that people have spoken to you. You remember the first time somebody said they love you and then three days later broke up with you? Yeah. I, that didn't happen to me. That was you. I, uh. You remember the first time you got fired from a job? The words that they said? You ain't cutting it. You remember the words? I, I'll never forget. Um, I'll never forget the day I got baptized. I grew up in a Baptist church. I got baptized in a Baptist church. And Baptist church, we put the baptismal way up there with the angels, you know? Um, So our baptism was way up there in the sky and I remember coming down afterwards and I found my dad afterwards. And I'll never forget him walking down the aisle and meeting me, dropping to his knees. And for the first time in my life, I saw him cry. He said, I am so proud of you. I'll never forget those words. They're etched, right? I'll never forget the words when I felt like my life was kind of falling apart and uh, having a midlife crisis, only I wasn't midlife yet. I'll never forget the words that my mom wrote on a card from Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in a future. I'll never forget those words. Why? Because words matter. They carry meaning and impact. And like a ship, they direct the course of our lives. The atmosphere we create with our words in our job determines how great of a day or not so great of a day we will have. Our words matter with our kids, the things that we say that we said we would never say because we heard our parents say that we just said yesterday, words matter. You see, we find all these areas of our life that our words are what shape and form who we are, where we're going, the things that happen around us. And And the writer in the Bible knows that to be very true. And so the challenge I want to present to us today The encouragement that I want to bring is this idea that when we use our words in the way that God intended for us to, our voice grows with such strength to the world around us. God actually didn't just give us our words so we could blab on and blab on. He actually gave us our words so we could make a difference in this world. I want to share a story with you out of Acts chapter 4 this morning. It's of a guy named Peter and John. They were disciples of Jesus. And the disciples of Jesus, shortly after Jesus had left, found themselves setting flyer ablaze to the gospel, spreading all over the place. A, a lame man who, who was a beggar got healed. And Peter and John get up and they begin to talk about this man who got healed and the one who has the power to heal. And they begin to speak of Jesus. The only problem was the religious leaders of the day were very annoyed. Now, I know as a parent, when you're annoyed, you put your kids in timeout, but the religious leaders of the day, they put Peter and John in jail. They were so annoyed by the words that they were saying, and they were so afraid of the gospel spreading in such a way that they did whatever they could to control it. The only problem was it didn't work. You see, they put them in jail, but the Bible says that many had heard the word that they had proclaimed that day, and it says that about 5,000 men gave their life to the Lord that day. 
two men opened their mouth, proclaimed with their voice what God had done, and 5,000 people gave their life to the Lord while they're sitting in prison. Why? Because they knew that their words mattered. You see, what would happen, I think, often this morning, I woke up with a burden on my heart. Two men spoke and 5,000 gave their life to Jesus. What would happen if the 5,000 of us began to proclaim boldly what God has done in our life to such a degree that people in our, in our jobs come and ask us, what's this thing about Jesus you got going on? That people in our lives, in our neighborhood, they would see and they would know the chaos that happens in this world and they'd look at you and say, why are you so different And our mouths would open proclaiming the goodness of what God is doing in our life. If it worked for Peter and John, I truly believe it can work for us. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter four, Peter and John are sitting in prison and here's what takes place. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men and they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing that they could say in opposition. But what they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to everyone in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that this may not spread any farther among the people, Let us warn Peter and John and the disciples to speak no more to anyone in the name of Jesus. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge because we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people, listen, for all were praising God because of what had happened. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite because it shows what happens when people get so on fire for what God is doing in them that they can't shut up. Have you ever had your kid come home and and just say, mom, you'll never guess what I told the teacher today, right? Or you met with your kid's teacher and they're like, oh, the things I know about you because your kids cannot help but speak of the things that they see and hear in your home. I have a toddler, she's two, and her preschool teacher this week told me the things she's telling about me already at two. She can't even hardly talk. You see, they can't help but share what they know. They can't help but speak about what they've heard and seen, and that's what I love about Peter and John. They never grew up. They never grew up. They still couldn't help themselves. They had to share what God was doing in their life. And it was so much so that the religious leaders got annoyed and they thought, we can stop this. We can quench this fire right here, right now. Y'all stop talking, to which they said, no. Any of y'all ever met those people who just absolutely not gonna do it, doesn't matter. Absolutely defiant. No, I'm not doing what you're gonna tell me to do. And Peter and John had such a fire for what God was doing that they were one of those people that said, I have to tell somebody about Jesus because it's all I got. This morning as we talk, I I only came up with two points today. Um, I have a newborn and so I'm not sleeping and I guess I'm just not as smart as Pastor Allen, but I only got two, so that's all you're gonna get today. Are you ready? Okay. Your words matter, so speak up about Jesus. Your words matter, so speak up about Jesus. 
When you feel like the enemy or the world or your circumstances are trying to silence you, it's actually your cue that it's time to speak up because it's in your praise of God that you find power in your life you didn't even know you had. So many times in our life, we get to a situation or a circumstance where we feel like all opposition has come against us, that our only choice is to sit there and be silent. I don't know about you, I work with teenagers and they are loud. They know how to worship loud, they know how to talk loud. If we could only have the same spirit of that child, that same spirit of the teenager that speaks loud about what God is doing in our life, why? Because it changes things. I wanna tell you a story. Uh, when I was, about nine years ago, I got married and um, I, I w- I, there's a lot I didn't know. Okay, let's just leave it at that. How about that? Um, I had problems. And so I'll never forget the first time we went out to dinner with another couple. And uh, you remember this, like you've been here. It's, you, there are things you would never say that now your spouse gets to say. There are stories that you would never tell about yourself that they now get to tell about you. And so I remember sitting at, yeah, y'all are looking at each other. I'm just going to close my eyes, okay? Um, and so I did something that I never did again. Um, under the table, uh, I started nudging and kicking my wife, right? Newlyweds, don't try this, okay? It doesn't work. Let's just save you right here. It didn't work. Uh, I don't know if you met my wife, um, but she loud. Um, so when I nudged her in an attempt to control her mouth, what did she do? She got louder, right? She got louder. Why? Because here's, here's what happens. Sometimes when things are trying to control, what happens is if we go the other direction, it just gets louder and louder. That's what they are trying to do with the gospel. They thought if we can just control this and keep it under wraps, not knowing that it's actually the gospel in persecution, the gospel put on edge, the gospel when it's, people are trying to silence it is the very thing that speaks the loudest in the room. I am so thankful I am so thankful that there were people who have come before me who in the midst of persecution were willing to speak up about Jesus. I'm so grateful that there are people who will come after me, who will continue to speak about Jesus no matter what's going on in their life. If it wasn't for a woman named Bobby Maloney, she invited my mom to our church, only it wasn't our church yet. And she invited my mom to serve in the church. And if it had not have been for her speaking up, speaking highly of Jesus, we may not have ever ended up back in church. I may not be standing here today. It's because of the boldness of one person to speak up about Jesus that entire destinies and futures are changed and directed. One small rudder has meaningful, life-changing implications. Um... When the enemy tries to silence us, he thinks that we will stop praising the Lord. And so what we find in our lives is the enemy knows his only strategy is to silence us. So he begins to lie to us. If you noticed in the passage, Peter and John, they said they perceived that Peter and John were uneducated. And I don't know about you, but the thought has crossed my mind on numerous occasions. I don't know that I know enough to talk about Jesus. I don't know that I know enough to be standing right here, right now. There's a lot I don't know. And so the lie can begin to creep into your life. I've never read the whole Bible. How could I tell someone? I'm not even sure I understand how it all works when we get to heaven. Can I tell you that is a lie? 
And the lie is, the attempt of the lie is to do this, to get you to be silent in your praise of Jesus. But how many of you know it's not about the education that you have? See, they go on, they say, they perceive that these guys were common men. In other words, they didn't look like anybody who was somebody. And how many of you know in the Bible, we see God using all kinds of nobodies. And so the lie can creep in to say, you can't speak up. Nobody's going to listen to you. Why even waste your breath? And so the temptation can be to sit on the sidelines while someone else does it. And the temptation of the lie that comes our way is, is screaming and it's saying, no one's going to listen to you anyway. But I don't know that we, you know, even take into consideration the fact that Peter and John, they're sitting in prison. Sometimes our circumstances, our problems, our issues are the lie that we begin to believe. If people knew the mess that happens in my house, you might think they would never listen to a word I had to say. If people knew all the things that I went through in my past, they're never going to listen to me. So why would I say anything at all? And those lies begin to creep in to keep us silent. But do you realize something? The religious Pharisees of the day, they even got it. They perceived that they were uneducated common men thrown in prison. Who's gonna listen to these guys? But yet they recognized something was different about them. This one little line that we can pass all too easily says, but they recognized that those guys had been with Jesus. You see, it doesn't matter the uneducated side. It doesn't matter the social economic status. It doesn't matter the position. It doesn't matter the circumstances that are going on around you. What matters when you begin to speak up is the fact that you've been with Jesus. Because here's what Peter and John knew. They knew that when we're with Jesus, something changes in us. And when we open our mouth, some things come out we never even thought possible. The enemy wants to silence. But when you've been with Jesus, things get loud. The praise, the praise, um, the enemy uses this tactic because it's all that he knows that actually works. In the Bible, the best we know, we read that Satan was actually at one point in time the worship leader of heaven. It says that he was the most beautiful angel created in all of heaven. There was no one in a position like him. He was created to praise God with his breath. And the Bible says in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel, different passages, that the second that Satan stopped praising the Lord, it says that he fell. And when he fell out of heaven, the Bible says that a third of the angels, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels, fell from heaven with him. Here's what Satan learned. Satan learned that when I silence the praise of the people around me, they fall. You see, it's in our praise that we have the power to live. And so Satan's only strategy is to get you to be quiet with your praise in your lips because he knows that if you do, you'll put yourself in a position of feeling like my voice doesn't matter. When I think about this in my own life, I'm encouraged to know that just because that's where I ended up, just because I've been somewhere, said some things that were off color, not good enough, or been in a situation where no one listened, that God wasn't finished me with, with me at that point in time in my life. Um, I, I'm gonna tell a story, and I really debated telling this story because it's embarrassing, okay? So stick with me. I really had to pray through this one. Um, uh, I have a two-year-old, like I said, and, and so right now I am a current expert in all things mermaid. Um, I have watched The Little Mermaid about 17,000 times in the last month. 
I can tell you the whole story. In fact, I want to tell you a little piece. If you recall, Ariel. Ariel wanted to be where the people are. She wanted to see, wanted to see it, right? I could, you jogging your memory there? I'm not going to give you any more than that. That's all you're going to get, okay? You don't want to see my rendition of Under the Sea, okay? Um, <laughs> listen, Ariel wanted to be a human. So the sea witch knew that if she gave her legs, she could take her voice in exchange. So Ariel signed a contract to forfeit her voice so she could get what she thought she wanted. What happens is at the end of the story, we know that Ariel loses her voice and and now the only way to save her is for King Triton, her father, to give his life in exchange for hers. She gets her voice back. The sea witch gets power and goes, ho, 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 you know, and rises up. And then guess what happens? King Triton comes back. Okay, guys, Disney gets this. My two-year-old gets this. The enemy knows that if he can get us to sign a contract to give away our voice, we lose our power. But can I tell you what happened? God, in his love and his mercy, sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins. Why? So that he could purchase back the very breath of God that you gave up. If Disney can get it, I can get it. And can I tell you something? That God's comeback plan is in action right now through your voice. Right now, God's comeback plan is in action through your voice. In Genesis chapter two, verse seven, we read that God got down in the dust and he formed Adam. And the Bible says that he breathed the breath of life right into Adam. Now I know what you're thinking. I hope God was using Listerine that day, right? Like I just, he breathed the breath of life right into Adam. And it says that Adam took his first breath. You see, we can only exhale. When you exhale, when you breathe out, you speak a word. There's something in the, our breath that comes out and it creates words. And so here's what happens. In order to exhale, you have to inhale. Whatever you inhale is that which you would exhale. Why do my words matter? My words matter because they're a very reflection of the breath of God that he has breathed inside of me. Every time I speak, I am breathing a life that has already been poured into me. Why is this God's comeback plan? Because in Matthew chapter 24, it says that the gospel will be proclaimed unto all nations. And after the gospel has been proclaimed unto all nations, until everyone hears, then the end will come. Y'all want to go on to heaven? Y'all ready for a party? Then it's going to require us to open our mouth and speak highly of the name of Jesus. God's comeback plan in this moment in time right here is for his people, for you and for me to begin to speak loudly and boldly about Jesus. Number two, keep speaking. Your words matter, so you have to keep speaking. Um, When it feels like nothing is working in your life, you have to keep speaking. Because your praise is actually the very thing that gives you the power to overcome. Your praise is what helps you overcome what you're going through right here and right now. I love the story. I love the fact that one of the first people that God used after Jesus was raised from the dead was Peter. How many of y'all know that God is in the business of using people who have already messed up? Thank God for second chances. 
Because I don't know if you recall, but a few chapters earlier in the Gospels we read that hours before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus is being scourged and, and, and beaten right there in the middle of the public square. People are all gathered around and watching, and Peter and the disciples, they're hiding amongst the crowd. And a little servant girl comes over to Peter and says, aren't you that guy that was with Jesus? You know the words that came out of his mouth? I don't know that guy. I don't know that man. And it didn't just happen once. It happened three times. Peter knew that his words mattered because he had had a day when he had used his words in a way that didn't go so well. But Jesus steps back on the scene after he's raised from the dead and he restores Peter. And something shifted in Peter that day. You see, also too, he was filled with the Spirit. And the guy who had nothing to say, all of a sudden filled with the Spirit, has everything to say. You couldn't make Peter be quiet. The Bible records him as being bold, speaking boldly about the name of Jesus. But he had had a day where his words got him into trouble. Haven't we all? There comes this point in time in our life where we have to make a decision I'm going to use my words to get me out of the situations instead of get me into them. I'm gonna use my words to, to protect and preserve my family. I'm gonna use my words to, to, to bring healing and, and freedom into my life. And it kind of reminds me of this. Um, you've heard the phrase, practice makes perfect, right? Uh, so when I was in third grade, I'll never forget, I was playing basketball in the third grade, and if you know me, I don't... Um, I can't shoot a shot, okay? So here, here I was in third grade, missing all these baskets in my driveway. And I'll never forget this neighborhood kid came by and we were playing together and I was getting mad and getting mad. And he, he told me, he said, you know, when you get mad like that, you need to cuss. I was like, like cuss? Like, what do you mean? This is I, the first time I, I've ever heard of it. So while my mom is inside standing in the driveway shooting basketball shots, I'm practicing my cuss words, okay? I don't know if in Texas you say curse or cuss, like um, in Missouri we cuss, but here's the thing. So I am practicing, and the last words he said to me was, keep practicing them. Now, um, thank the Lord that I did not. Thank the Lord that I had learned at a young age that my words matter. And thank the Lord that if you can practice profanity, it means you can practice praise, if the world can teach you to use your words for bad, for destruction, how much more can God redeem your words to use them to bring life and healing and hope in all these areas of our lives and in the lives of the people around you? But it's gonna require something. We are going to have to keep speaking the praise of God. What does that mean? What does that look like? It means that before you see something, you have to call it as God sees it. It means that there's a situation in your life right now that you're going through with your finances and you're not sure how it's all going to work out. But you know scripture says that if you are faithful with your tithe, he will take care of you. You're calling it before you see it. It means that you call it before you feel it. Eh, man, I, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I don't feel like we're successful. I don't feel like anything in my family is changing. You can begin to use your words for those things or you can turn it around and say, God has a plan for my family. My child, my children, their roots are going to run down deep into the Lord and you begin to call it even before you feel it. 
they come home from school and everything is a mess and you're not sure how to correct them or what to say or how to discipline or what to do. You don't feel it. But if you begin to praise the Lord, Lord, I know, I know that you have good things in store for my kids. I know that you're saving them today. I know that they will walk with you and honor you with their lives. You begin to praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, in advance for all you're going to do. It means that sometimes you begin to speak the praise before you even believe it yourself. (laughs) There's a mountain standing in front of me right now. Peter and John are standing in jail. There's a mountain in front of me right now, but I believe, Lord, that at the power of your word, you have the ability to move this mountain out from in front of me. And right now I'm going to use my words to speak what I believe, that you are good and that you are faithful and that you are just. Psalm 107 says this. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. I love that line. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You begin to use your mouth to speak what God is and already has done for you. I once was lost but God breathed on me and now I'm found. I once, as it says in Psalm 107, I once sat in utter darkness. The shadow of darkness followed me around everywhere that I went, but I called out to the Lord. He breathed on me and he delivered me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You begin to speak. I am so thankful for the people who are willing to speak what God has done because it is in that testimony repeated over and over and over that strength rises in our hearts that we have the ability to overcome. Revelation chapter 12 verse one says this, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. They're going through something today. You need to know this, that the blood of Jesus has covered it, but your words and the testimony that you speak is what gives you the power and the strength to walk it out. When you keep speaking the praises of God, you overcome. Uh, This summer we had the opportunity to take about 50 students on a mission trip to Dallas. We went to inner city Dallas, we went to South Oak Cliff and some parts of Arlington. Every day we got up and we went to an apartment complex community that a ministry had worked with in the past. And we would knock on strangers' doors and invite the kids in this complex to come down and do some old school Bible school ministry. And we'd go out into the park and we'd bring them snacks and we'd play games and and we'd tell them about Jesus. There was no worship leader. There was no pastor. There was no church service. There was no seats. And it was Texas hot. But can I tell you something? Some of the most powerful moments happen when 13 to 18 year olds open their mouth and start talking about Jesus. Can I tell you, teenagers have problems. I work with them every day. We got problems. We all have problems. Can I tell you what happened on that trip? Something shifted in every single kid that was there. Something began to happen inside of them. Kids who were afraid to order food because of their social anxiety at a restaurant were telling complete strangers that Jesus loved them. Kids who felt like they were depressed and nobody cared about them found that there is a God who wants to use them and do great things through their life. Uh, uh, We got back from the trip and a mom sent me a message. She said, I saw a picture of my daughter's face on that trip 
And can I tell you, I haven't seen my daughter's face have that countenance in over three years. Why? Because here's what happens when we begin to speak about Jesus. We overcome. The world overcomes. We got back on the last night. We took him out to a nice dinner, and I am youth pastor beat up, okay? 50 million questions I'm not answering anymore. Late nights, I'm going straight to bed. We roll in on the bus back to the place we were staying, and we walk in. I said, all right, we're all going to bed. Get off the bus. We're going to bed. And we walked inside, and we walked inside. We said, well, wait a minute. I don't have anything to preach, but if you guys got something you want to say, y'all just say what God has done in your life this week. Thinking it would last about two, three minutes. It lasted three hours. Nobody looked at their watch. Nobody wondered what was for late night snack afterwards. Kids were crying. Kids were speaking over each other. Kids were praying over people they didn't know that well. Why? Because here's what happens. When you speak the testimony of what God is doing in your life, things start to change. There was a a little boy from Africa in one of the apartment complexes and he had a walker and he had some form of MS and his, his legs were extremely deteriorated. Every day his mom would walk him down at the club. They lived on the second floor of an apartment with no elevator. And his mom would carry him down the stairs and bring him out to the park and sit him there and he would hang out with us while we ministered. And I remember watching as one of our interns, they, they went over and led someone to Jesus for the very first time. And the words that came out of his mouth, nobody told him to say this, it just came out. He said, I believe that if you keep believing, God is gonna be with you. And I believe that there is healing coming for you. You can't make that stuff up. When God gets working inside of you, it just has to come out of you. And if God can do that in a teenager... He can do it in you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe there are people in the room today who your words have brought destruction and pain or the words of other people in your life have brought destruction and pain. Can I tell you that right now the words of the Father to you bring life and healing. His breath can flow right back in through through you. He can do something great in your life again. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you've been far from him. We're not gonna call you out or embarrass you in any way, but Romans chapter 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, if you speak with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he is faithful to save you. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you wanna come back to him, would you slip your hands up right now? And by slipping up your hands, you're making a confession. Thank you, I see your hands. You're speaking out the praises of God over your life that you may be saved. Thank you, I see hands all over the room. I believe God is working in you right now. So proud of you for making that decision. We're gonna pray this and speak this together. Would you pray this out loud? Speak it like you mean it. Dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know that I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that God raised you from the dead. So right now, I speak, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. And I'm a new creation because I said yes to you. 
Lord, I pray right now for every person in the room as we go home to our families, to our jobs, to our city, community, all over the world. Lord, I pray that our words would praise you. We would not be silenced because you're building your church. We ask, Lord, that you would use our words to lead people to Jesus in great numbers. We love you. We're grateful. We believe you're doing great things. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.